Amen, amen. You can grab a seat. Um, that is a song that um, declares a lot of what we're going after in this series and, uh, and what we believe is found in the powerful name of Jesus. And not just in his name but uh, by itself, but when it's what his name represents uh, to us, for us, both in the gospel and in the knowledge of, of God that we gain from knowing Jesus. And uh, listen, I'm so glad you guys are here uh, this week as we start this next series in our church. And uh, I'm just thankful for our church. I've been reflecting um, a lot this week. Our staff has on uh, just all that happened last weekend. It was um, such a phenomenal celebration on Good Friday and Easter. Um, I don't know if you know this, we had over a thousand people in our church on Easter Sunday. And uh, amen, amen. And um, just the opportunity to celebrate the resurrection and to get our hearts and minds rightly worshiping. Um, it was awesome that you guys, like when we encouraged you to, uh, to, to find another service besides the the, the 10 a.m. service, and we had more people at our 8.30 service and our 11.30 service than we had at our 10 a.m. service. And it's just, just awesome, like, to, to have um, space to welcome people in, and y'all, like, like, tried to park as far away as possible. We had extra spots in the parking lot, and I just love your heart to welcome people. It's just a really practical way, as we said again and again, uh, just to love people. And um, our staff is just so thankful for your heart in that and what that represents of the gospel, your heart to serve, your love for others, your desire to welcome new people. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, amen, amen. It's kind of clapping for yourself, I like that. And, uh, and, and I just want you to know our staff, we love leading and, uh, and just growing together as God's people. And so um, today, uh, we're starting a new series called Mind Wars. And um, this is a needed series uh, for every disciple of Jesus Christ because um, I don't know if you know this or not. Um, I know so many of you do. Uh, your mind is a battleground. It's just a battleground. And um, like, like you know, your thoughts and your beliefs and your opinions and your ideas and your perceptions and your conclusions, like they're just constantly flowing in and around your mind. They impact um, they impact the way you perceive situations, they, they, they affect your emotions, they lead to behaviors, and it's a big deal. And what you think about yourself, others, the world, your primary patterns of thinking significantly impact your attitude and your actions. So it's a, it's a, we, we have to cover this topic, you, you, because what I love about this is, is we, can, we can look all calm and collected on the outside, right? while our mind is a war zone. It's like people getting shot, like people dropping, there's battles for, over strongholds, and, and we, can, we can act like it's all together on the outside when our mind can be a war zone. And some of us don't even realize how much your thoughts are impacting, like you, or, or, or even how much it's impacting you, because it's a war. And unfortunately, sometimes we don't see it. God speaks about the mind all throughout Scripture. It's a biblical word, this word mind. It's translated like this. It's defined like this. It's a faculty of the heart. It's really hard to separate mind and heart, honestly, when you see it in Scripture. It's a faculty of the heart that directs you 
directs your life through its capacity to think, understand, reason, feel, and make willful decisions. And the Bible speaks to this all over. Romans 12, 2. It encourages us, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. 1 Corinthians 14, 20. Do not be children in your thinking. Matthew twenty two thirty seven. Love the Lord your God with all your, what church? Mind. Romans 8, 6. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. See, the, the mind is the battleground between, uh, between your flesh and the spirit, between the enemy and the way he wants to woo you and tempt you and the spirit. Your mind can be a place of worship. It can also be a place of rebellion. And I believe that the, that the heart redeemed by Jesus Christ, empowered by the spirit, growing in the knowledge of God, that through those things working together, we can learn and mature and grow to win the war for your mind so that it could lead to transformation and life and peace. I believe this. I've seen it in my own life. There's testimonies up and down the rows of people in this church who could testify, yeah, that's my story. And I've got some specific places where I've won the war. It's different, though, for every person. The intensity of this war in different areas is different. It's, it, it's different based on how God's created you. It's different based on some of the ways that sin has impacted and brokenness has impacted your life. And it's different sometimes because of the circumstances that you're walking through and facing. We're sensitive to that. God's word is sensitive to that. But the goal of this series is to give us an awareness and an understanding of how to engage in the war how to get equipped for the battle, and how to start winning some victories. But I'm aware, deeply aware, in a lot of ways, um, heavily aware this week of the fact that it is a battle. And some of you are immersed in it right now. Even the focus to hear this message is gonna be a battle. And so knowing that, let me just pray for God to work in and through this message. God, I'm asking for you to work powerfully because I don't know how to do this. There is no um, creativity in my mind. There's no unction of my spirit that can bring about a step towards victory in the battleground of the mind. I need God. I'm asking, I'm begging that your spirit would come in power and that it would open eyes to the reality of the strongholds, that there would be a confidence, God, maybe even not fully discovered, but at least a move of confidence. I will work to demolish strongholds in my life. Maybe, God, some might be identified that have not been identified this morning through the work of your spirit. Maybe in something totally disconnected to even the the things that I'm gonna highlight. But I believe and I trust and I'm asking that we would turn the momentum, that we would, through the power of the Spirit, the gospel and the knowledge of God, have a confidence that we can find victory, even in small ways in this life, knowing that in the next life, we will win fully and completely. And so we have hope and confidence. God, let it be. It's in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so get your Bibles open, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 
uh, this passage is going to uh, frame up what we're going to be teaching about uh, for the next number of weeks. This entire series, Mind Wars, um, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6 is the frame through which all of the other messages are going to draw from. And so this is an important message. If somebody comes and follows me, somebody like, make sure you listen to that message at the beginning because that's going to help you. And we're going to come back to these again and again and again. And so let's just read through it slowly. Now let me just give you some background because we're jumping into the end of 2 Corinthians. At this point in 2 Corinthians, Paul is defending his ministry. There's some people that have come and been like, Paul's not who we think he should be. And so he's defending himself against these accusers and in verses 3 through 6, he sort of just, sometimes Paul will be doing this. He'll be talking about something specific, and then he'll come up out of that, and he'll give a, this like overarching principle. You see this in Paul all the time. Sometimes it's a little confusing, honestly, but when you see it, you can see that it turns, and he's talking broadly, not just about someone defending their ministry, but all of our lives as followers of Christ. So look what he writes, starting in verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, that's flesh is our brokenness. It's the part of our life that desires sinful things. Uh, So he says there, for although we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. So, I, I just for a moment just want you to soak in this passage. Like, do you, do you see what's being uh, communicated here? There's some strongholds in your life and in my life that, that God wants us to demolish. There's a strategy here. Like this is the best description in all of scripture uh, about the battleground of the mind. It's, it's so vivid and clear and so um, I want us to see at the very beginning the big move, uh, not just in this message but in this series is this. Engage in the war to bring your mind under the rule and reign of Christ. That's what God wants to do through his word. He wants to, what he wants to do in our gathering together as God's people. He wants us to, and privately in our time with the Lord in worship, we are engaging in a war to bring your mind under the rule and reign of Christ. And when he is ruling and reigning, there is life and peace and joy. And when he is not, it is the opposite. And to get there is a war. So three moves to engage in the war first. You've got to prepare for the war. You've got to prepare for it. Like this passage doesn't give you the freedom to be like, you know what? I'm going to choose pacifism. I don't really like fighting. I'm just going to stay over here and I just want peace. It's not an option. He's not framing it up as you could choose one thing or the other. He is assuming that you are at war. He is saying we are not waging war according to the flesh. He's not like some of you 
are and some of you aren't. It is, an, it is an act against an enemy and the flesh. It is not a passive posture. It is active and aggressive. It is part of following Christ. I mean, it's all here. Weapons of warfare. Things are getting destroyed, captured, punished. I mean, it's like a normal afternoon with a two-year-old. I mean, it's like, it's a war. Like, prepare for it. And, and why this is important is it's important to expect war. To understand that this is a part of what it looks like to walk with Jesus this side of eternity. Like relationship with Jesus, stop the naivety that, that believes that once I find Jesus, suddenly he's going to take me out of the war. He doesn't protect you from having to engage. But instead what he does is he empowers you to win some battles until he returns to fully declare victory over every area of your life and mine. He empowers you. And we're going to see that. And there are a number of forces that are, have gathered together to oppose you. Like, you, you, have your, you have your flesh that craves after sin, sometimes in ways that you're like, no, why did I think that thought? It leads you to a variety of sinful desires. Satan, the devil, the prince of this world, he, he roams around looking for people to devour. Sweet, such an encouraging verse. Like, the demonic realm, the unseen forces, want to draw you away from God so that you'd follow the way of the world and so you'd give ground to the temptations of your flesh. The Bible speaks of all these realities. We have to prepare. Like, it is a war. Like, just, a, just a, an introductory understanding of the way a military protects, uh, uh, prepares for war would, would help you understand how preparation is so important to be ready strategically to respond to the attack and to take ground from the enemy. I mean, uh, the military spends an insane, insane amount of time and detail and process to prepare soldiers, to train leadership, then to assess the enemy, to plan the mission, like substantial effort is required. And so we need to prepare. And we need to start with getting our mind thinking about our mind. Let me put it another way. If you want to start and prepare for the battle and the war, start thinking about how you are thinking. Just start thinking about how you're thinking. I, I, I don't think we do this enough. And I think some people do it too much in the wrong way. Think about how you're thinking. Consider these things, these questions, as a starting point. What are the thoughts you are thinking that are impacting your life? What thoughts are you thinking about yourself or your circumstances or God or others? How is this thinking, how is your thinking driving your actions? Make the connection that the reason why I'm responding like that to that person is actually because of this unbiblical truth that I'm believing. And then the next one, now we're getting a little more into discipleship. Are your thoughts based in truth? Are your thoughts based in truth? 
do you even know? Have you evaluated it? Then next, do your thoughts reflect the person and character of God? Are they in line with, are they consistent with what God says? See, see, when you arrive at a place in your life that there is a, a pattern of thinking or a way that, a direction that you go, and it seems sort of like ingrained in your thinking. Like I got some places like that in my life uh, where, where it seems as though the enemy has sort of entrenched itself in your mind. It's got a little fort built. It's got some bunkers uh, dug deep into your mind, and you're like, I just keep thinking that way. I'm, I'm drawn that direction. If it's impacting your life in an ungodly way, you've identified a stronghold. And I've been praying all week that God would convict you and I of strongholds. We have to see it first because those strongholds are what I would call primary battlegrounds in your life. And it's different for everyone. But there's some similarities. Thinking about how you're thinking is the first step to prepare for war. You have to grow more aware of the war. So if nothing else this morning as we start this series, think about how you're thinking. Ask the Spirit of God to identify strongholds in your life. The flesh will naturally want to build strongholds. The enemy wants to build strongholds in your life. But Jesus wants to take ground to bring you under the protective rule and reign of God. He wants to replace all ungodly thinking with godly thinking. And when that begins to happen, you now can move the enemy out of the trenches that he's played out of into your mind and you can begin to gain victory and understand then how to defend from the way the enemy will continue to attack. In this series, over the next eight weeks, we're gonna address common strongholds of thinking that plague our minds. Look at the list up on the screen. This is some of the ones we're gonna go after. I am worthless. I am not good enough. I need their acceptance. God doesn't care. Am I hitting on some of them? My life has no purpose. I must be in control. I am a victim. I deserve more. Those are strongholds. Common strongholds. And what we're going to do in this is really, we're going to, it's kind of like we're preaching 2 Corinthians 10 for the next, however, next eight weeks, nine weeks. What I want you to see is, is that this passage, we want to train you to learn how to demolish some of these strongholds because the things that you'll learn will not just help you in those specific strongholds, but in any stronghold. And we believe that we're going to see, I believe as we unfold this series, you're going to see how the gospel speaks a better word. And once you're prepared for war, you're going to have a faith and a confidence to engage in it. To not play from this sort of passive place where you just immediately feel defeated by it. We're going to train you to wage war against wrong ways of thinking to help you win and gain victory in the mind war. So identify the enemy, prepare for war next. Number two, we have to, you have to equip yourself with spiritual weapons. Verse four, so encouraging. It says, for the weapons of our warfare. So we have weapons. Like, yes, we get some weapons. Weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power. So not only, they're not normal weapons. 
These are like divine power weapons. And, and, and they're intended to help us to destroy strongholds. So don't try to destroy strongholds with weapons of the flesh. Leave your small, insignificant, light-powered weapons at home. We are going for divine power sort of weapons. Like, like It means they're not natural, church. It means they're spiritual. It means they're supernatural. It means they're empowered by the Spirit. That's the kind of weapons we want to take hold of. Now, this is good news that we have these weapons if we identify them and actually use them. Here's an absolute truth. Get ready. It's going to blow you away. A weapon is useless if you don't know you have it. A weapon's useless if you're like, I didn't know I had a weapon. A weapon's also useless if you don't know how to use it. It's useless. You're like, I didn't even know that was a weapon. It's also a problem if you know you have it, know how to use it, but don't use it. Like we've been given these weapons for a purpose. So what are the spiritual weapons? Anything that provides access by God's grace to the power of God is a spiritual weapon that we can use in the war. Anything. Earlier in 2 Corinthians, Paul refers to the fruit of the Spirit. He talks about patience and kindness and love, and he refers to them as weapons of righteousness. (laughs) Then in Ephesians 6, Paul famously refers to the uh, armor of God, the, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes that prepare the soldier to act, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And the point in all of these different weapons that sort of emerge in and through Scripture is this. All spiritual weapons at a fundamental level lead you to a place where you take hold of by faith the truths of the gospel and the knowledge of God, leading you into a relationship with God, and from there you find power. All of them. All of them lead in some way to that. To wield the sword of the Spirit, you must take hold of the Word of God by faith. Bringing your life to the Word, letting the Word of God do its work in you. I believe in Hebrews when it talks about the Word of God being like a sword and dividing to the division of soul and spirit is literally talking about bringing the Word of God to bear on strongholds and and, and gaining victory. It's clear The primary spiritual weapon is the Word of God. It's the Word of God. It's the starting point for the development and the understanding of all other spiritual weapons. Like, you know that moment in an action movie when... um, when all of a sudden the, 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 the person, whoever, the, sort of the hero person, sort of gets the, they're backed up against the wall and the enemies are winning or maybe there's some like really bad thing that the enemy did and they get to this point and the music sort of starts to build and, and in some things they, they walk into an arsenal of weapons and they're like, this one and this one and this one and they're like, it's over. Like I'm done. Uh, there's a switch that turns on and they access this arsenal of weapons. Every kind of weapon is at their disposal. Listen, when you open this book and begin to take hold of it by faith, 
and begin to bring it on, to bear on your life, when you open it and understand what it has within it through the work of God's Spirit, that this book is supernatural. It's opening a door to an arsenal of weapons. Like truths of the gospel and the knowledge of God that can bring down strongholds in your life and in mine. And if you can can familiarize yourself with it and realize what you're holding as a weapon, you can learn to use it and apply it to your life and and you use it to start speaking a, a stronger word over the places that the world and the enemy has entrenched thinking in your mind. And you can go, no more. I'm done. I'm done with that. The word of God leads you to the right weapons needed to take into war against the enemy. And, and literally, you just can't make this up. Like, like literally, as I was working on this point, I was in a coffee shop and a man from our church walked in and we started chatting. Quickly, the conversation within a few minutes turned to how God's word was working in his life. He started to tell me how he was trying to read regularly through the New Testament, the Old Testament, Psalms, a few different sections. He opened up to the back of his Bible and he showed he had just little squares and he was marking a check mark off each time he went through the New Testament, the Old Testament, and was telling me sort of his plan. It was just so authentic and real. And he started to share how he had been convicted pretty quickly, on, pretty quickly in his reading of the Bible that he just needed to meditate on it. He needed to really apply it to his life. At one point, he quoted something that he heard about the power of God's word. He said this, that applies right to this message. He said, scripture is not just informational, it's transformational. I was like, maybe you should preach on Sunday. We could have chatted for the rest of the day about how scripture had, had influenced his life. He told me that at one point, if it wasn't for the word of God, he was planning how he would kill himself. But the power of the word transformed that. The news got even better because he tells me at the end, he says, I've really only been fervently reading God's word for three years. I think sometimes people can walk into a church and Somebody gets up and talks about how influential the word of God's been and they've been studying and meditating on God's word for decades. Three years. From the depth of like, I don't know if I want my life to continue to the point where he's sitting talking to me saying I would have been totally intimidated to talk to you like a few years ago. But now I'm so excited for what God's word is doing in my life. And he's just testifying about it. there are no substitutes. This is the primary weapon. If you want to equip yourself with spiritual weapons to win the war in your mind, you must be accessing the word of God. It is literally, the, the word testifies of itself, it is literally breathed out by the spirit of God. The word of God has a way that it works when we meditate on it and consume it. It is supernatural work. You've got to take hold of it. Listen, if you don't have a copy, take one. 
please, it's free. We'll give you whatever you need when it comes to, I need a Bible. It's always, yes, we'll supply one for you. But you've got to learn to use it. It, it can't just be this sort of uh, casual, passive reading like we do in so many other areas of our world. We just like read it, sort of thinking about it, so we can check off some religious list. It's more than that. And when I was talking to that man at the coffee shop, he was very clear it was more than that. He was meditating on it. Like, God wasn't joking when he said meditate on it day and night. Because he's like, listen, there's a war, and you're going to need the weapon day and night. You never know when the attack's going to come. You never know at a point in which you're going to have to take out a stronghold or defend against the enemy. Bring it to every aspect of your life. Learn to pray through the scriptures. It's a really helpful way that I've found to help apply the word of God to my life. Consuming God's word by faith in the power of the Holy Spirit will literally renew your mind to think differently. You've got to, you've got to use it, church. You've got to use it every day. Sunday Christians don't find victory over strongholds. Sunday Christians take a shot. They're like, that didn't do much. Maybe I'll come back next week. Maybe. And then they wonder why there's no pattern of victory in their life. Because the war is a war. And you must be equipped to win in the war. You need it every day. Equip yourself with spiritual weapons. Engage in the war to bring your mind under the rule and reign of Christ. And then this last one, tear down strongholds. Tear down strongholds. If you weren't convinced at this point, um, what's described here, it's not a peacekeeping mission. There's, there's no peace negotiations in, in the war for your mind. You don't get to a place where you sit ungodly thinking down with godly thinking. And you're like, can you guys just get along? Like, can, we, can we work this out? Can we make a, like a peace treaty? No, it's, it, says, it says in the Bible, it says that you have to put your passions to death. Like, there's, no, there's no option of ungodly thinking staying alive. There's no peace negotiations. Kenneth Barker in his commentary said it like this. He said, Paul presents the picture of a military operation in enemy territory that seeks to thwart every single hostile plan of battle so there will be universal allegiance to Christ. That's what, we don't stop. We, we don't get to this point where we're like, okay, well, you know what? I'm good. I've arrived. Not until every aspect of my life is under, uh, under the allegiance to Christ, under his rule and reign. I mean, look at the parts of the operation that we have, parts of the mission here. It says strongholds are to be destroyed. Now, if you're wondering, what does it mean destroyed there? It means like um, torn down to the point where every brick has been demolished. Like, it, it's not like, oh, we, we've kind of uh, uh, breached the wall. It's like, no, we're going to stay on this destruction mission until Every brick is down. It's made flat with the ground is literally what the definition of destroy means. I mean, notice the steps. First, you've got to dismantle arguments and lofty opinions. Right? These, are, these are false arguments, but they're the way that you notice 
like, I'm sure you notice that, like, your mind can argue with your spirit. It's like a little fight all the time. And there's also the lofty opinions. Lofty opinions are like, no, I got this figured out. I know this is correct. Just imagine some snooty, arrogant, you know, intellect. It's like, I've... But that's what we do. We raise these lofty opinions up against the knowledge of God. And, and the question I have for you is, do you want to languish under false arguments and lofty opinions, or do you want to be rooted in redemptive truths? Which one do you want? And the key question here in tearing down strongholds is, um, are you willing to have your thinking challenged? Humility is a really important part of tearing down strongholds because what I've seen again and again and again in my own life and in others is that if you don't have humility and if you don't come with your thinking like this to the word of God, what happens is, is we tend to defend because we've been deceived, we defend against strongholds. We're like defending the stronghold that God wants to tear down. There's strongholds in my life that the starting point was for me to realize, like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm fighting against God. And then for me to be able to hold on, wrong side, I'm going to get on God's side, and we're taking that stronghold down now. Sometimes we have these lofty opinions and arguments that need to be dismantled. Then we have to target anything raised against the knowledge of God. So here, again, is a place where if you don't have an increasing knowledge of God's word, you're not going to be able to target things that are raised against the knowledge of God. To the degree that you know God's word is the degree to which you can aim. If you don't know God's word, you won't know the target. If you won't know the target, you won't win the war. Counsel can help here from others, target anything raised against the knowledge of God, then this, capture every wrong thought to obey Christ. Like, every. You can underline that in, in, in this passage. Every thought. Like, I'm not, because anything that is not captured will injure me. Any thought that's not captured will injure me or other people. Any thought that leads me away from the truth of the gospel or away from the knowledge of God must be captured. And so, like, we, to win the mind war, to be transformed in the image of Christ, like, we have to engage. And I want you to see a picture of um, sort of what I've, I've titled your lived experience. I want you to see this, and I want to uh, kind of point out the different pieces of this. This is your lived experience behaviors is what people see. It's what we do. It's the words we say. It's the actions we participate in. Those are behaviors. Um, what, what, what leads to behaviors is a combination, kind of a messy combination, of thinking, the thoughts we think, the beliefs we have, our emotions. Sometimes it just feels completely out of control. And our, in our environment, our environment is a combination of past and present experiences and how you are interpreting them. Now you can see there's an interplay between thinking and environment and environment and emotions and emotions and thinking. And this combination leads to 
behaviors. Strongholds emerge anywhere unbiblical thinking entrenches itself into that the, the triad, the little triangle down there, when strongholds emerge, it's, it's unbiblical thinking that it's, it has entrenched its way into our thinking, our emotions, our understanding of our environment. And the only way that you demolish strongholds, the only way they're torn down, is when biblical thinking the understanding of the gospel, our identity in Christ, who we are, what God says, dismantles unbiblical thinking. Like that thought's not true. That's not true. And it speaks over your emotions. No, you're not alone. Even though you feel alone, you're not alone. It shows you how to think about and interpret your environment. And then out of that, it directs your behavior directs your behavior. And so we have to target anything raised against the knowledge of God because it threatens us. We have to capture every wrong thought to obey Christ. That's how you find victory to the point where you're ready to punish every disobedience because you want your obedience to be complete. So, but warning here, warning. Four principles I want to make sure you hear from me that really come out of a, a, a pastor's heart for you. There's, there's four principles we have to remember when we're tearing down strongholds. First, the enemy will not stop attacking. I wish I had a better news than that, but from my own experience and from so many testimonies, I know that if you take out a stronghold with biblical truth and you demolish it and you sort of rebuild a sort of biblical fortress around an area of your life, the enemy will still attack the area of your life. But now, fortunately, though, you've sort of entrenched in some biblical thinking and you could be ready to defend. I think that's why it says in the armor of God, it says the shield of faith. Because once you've taken hold of something, you know how to take hold of it by faith. And that becomes a shield or a protection when the enemy attacks. And the enemy loves to attack the places that he's attacked before. So let me just encourage you there to hold your ground and keep your shield up. Second, give time to sort out the complexity. Those, 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 uh, those three categories of emotions and environment and thinking, like those look really clean on a on a graphic, on a slide, they're, they're not that clean. I know I didn't need to tell you that. Like, emotions can be extremely strong and influential, and in some situations, emotions are like this big, and thinking is like over here just cowering because the emotions are just swallowing it up. And then sometimes we have, we have environment that's just a huge thing is played out in our life. And it's a mess, and it's a web of influences. I believe that is why one of the strongest words that I find biblically that has to play into this war for our minds is the character trait, sober-mindedness. Look, you just do, do, do research on the word. You'll see the word so often right around sort of war mentality. You, you see sober-mindedness as one of the key attributes of, of, of what a pastor or elder must be in the context of the church. Why? Because they're on the front lines of the war. 
They're shepherding and advocating and caring and leading people to the place where they can have victory. There needs to be a sober-mindedness. Sober-mindedness literally means to curb or restrict the controlling influence of emotions and desires that allows me to think rightly. That's what sober-mindedness is. Some of you are going to leave this message being like, all I heard was, I need to pray for sober-mindedness. And I promise you that that's one of the most clear things that I pray for in the midst of the mind war. Uh, Next, attack with an army. Utilize the body of Christ. Share your battles with other people for prayer support and biblical wisdom. Get counseling if the stronghold seems particularly difficult to attack. You might need professional counseling as needed at times for things that are uniquely difficult. Don't have shame. Humbly share your need. Look for biblical counselors if at all possible. Sometimes the reality of how we feel about something could be biological. So go see a doctor. Get a good counsel around your life in these places where we struggle, where strongholds have emerged. And then finally this one, endurance is required. Church, this is not for the faint of heart. We need biblical courage, spirit-led courage. They're called strongholds for a reason, okay? So don't be surprised when you're like, man, they're really strong. I'm like, yeah, they are. They're entrenched in our minds. They've, They've come there over time, so don't expect that uh, some strongholds, I believe God in a moment can just, just bring it down. And I believe there's some that you'll endure, some, some strongholds people endure with for their lifetime until Jesus in eternity brings ultimate victory. And sometimes it's two steps forward and one back. Sometimes it's four steps forward and five back. But keep persevering. Endurance is required. Listen, if the mission of Christ Church is to love God, love others, and make disciples, um, some strongholds are going to have to fall in your life and my life for that mission to be accomplished. Amen? And let's be together in this. Let's tear down strongholds. Let's, let's, let's encourage one another in this war. Let's engage in the war to bring your mind under the rule and reign of Christ. And that's why we're not just teaching this message and then moving on to another message. We're staying here in these coming weeks to train you to tear down strongholds. It's going to be a different stronghold every week. And I believe some strongholds are going to start to come down in people's lives. And I believe that starts today. We've got to prepare for war. We've got to equip ourselves with spiritual weapons. And we've got to tear down strongholds. And we gave you a sheet as you came in that just highlights some different strongholds and the way to replace unbiblical thinking with biblical thinking. I want you to prayerfully process through that sheet. This week, get some things in front of you. Some of you have some strongholds that you don't even see yet that the Spirit of God's going to convict you of. Let biblical truth replace unbiblical lies. I am tired of the way that the enemy is continuing to hold ground in your life and in your mind. But we're going to start to tear that down. And so I'm going to pray for us before we close. So everybody just stand up as we prepare for this final song of worship. And, and before I pray for us, 
And I had everybody stand because every single person standing has a stronghold of some sort. Everyone. No one's exempt from this. No one's holier than having a stronghold. We got some patterns of thinking that have been entrenched in our minds and it's impacting our life in a way that we know we don't want it to. And God's heart for you is for it not to happen anymore. And my heart for you and for my life is that those strongholds would be torn down. And we want to destroy them. We want to tear them down. So we have to engage in the war to bring your mind under the rule and reign of Christ. Let me pray for us. God, we're asking that in this tender moment, I pray that the first thing that you would do is you would bring our hearts and our minds and open our hearts and minds to see the strongholds in our life. For some, God, it might be a bit of shock. Some of us over these next weeks might find that we've been defending something that you want to tear down. Work through the power of your spirit, God, to give us everything we need to prepare for the war, to take up the spiritual weapons, particularly the word of God, and to tear down strongholds. Let some bricks fall today, God, as we see and have the confidence through the power of the gospel and through the knowledge of God that we are stronger than we think we are in Christ. And let defeat be replaced by victory. And let there be joy where there has not been. Bring them down, God, for your glory and for the fame of your name. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.